This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're taking a critical look at pregnancy weight gain in episode number 190. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hey mama, today we are talking about pregnancy weight gain. Should you worry about pregnancy weight gain? What does weight gain in pregnancy mean or not mean? We're going to talk about where weight gain comes from in pregnancy, how much weight you should gain, and what that means for you in today's episode. My name is Kristen Burgess and I work with pregnant and new mamas who want to have a great pregnancy and a beautiful natural birth and who also want to intentionally create a home that is peaceful and is full of the laughter of happy and healthy kids. So let's jump into things. The whole world today, really like the whole world, feels anxious about obesity, about fat, about what to do to be healthy. And sometimes it feels like there's no time that this is more apparent or critically watched than when you're pregnant. Of course, your health during pregnancy is an important predictor of your baby's future health. And what I want for you to do is not to feel anxious about weight gain, but I want for you to understand what's going on with pregnancy weight gain and why it's something that you should think about, but at the end of the episode, I hope that you're going to come away with not only more confidence and understanding about pregnancy weight gain, but I also want to want you to have some myths cleared up, and I want you to have perhaps a paradigm shift about how to even think about pregnancy weight gain. When I was pregnant with my last couple of babies, looking at the scale was really difficult for me. My body image issues haven't really gotten much better because of things that happened after my last baby Phoenix was born. But during those pregnancies, I just had a hard time. And I think it was because after my first few babies, I really just bounced right back to my pre-pregnancy weight. And then after those babies, I found that it wasn't quite so easy. That caused a lot of anxiety and stress for me to the point where at the end of I think both my 7th and 8th pregnancies with Sadie and Phoenix, like by the end, I wouldn't look at the scale. I turned around backwards on the scale and made my midwife read it because even though I felt healthy and felt good, the scale was creeping up and it caused me anxiety. So I, even though I talk about pregnancy nutrition and healthy pregnancy and I've had eight babies and I teach women how to do this every day, I still had anxiety. So, and I had a midwife who wasn't pressuring me at all. And so I want just to share that with you so that you understand that I get where you're coming from if you feel like, you know what, while I'm pregnant, I don't even want to worry about weight. It's just another stressor. And I hope that ultimately this episode is going to be empowering for you. Let's start by talking about what we know about weight gain. So it used to be that low weight gain was an issue. And I would I would argue that it can still be an issue. As I talked about in the last couple of podcast episodes, I think lower nutrition is the issue, but we aren't seeing what we used to see in the past where a woman who was not optimally nourished or even poorly nourished also was underweight. I think today we see women who are not optimally nourished who have a lot of extra weight, and we'll talk about that in a minute. So at this point, what we're seeing is a different trend than what was worried about a lot in the past, which was women just not gaining enough weight. 
today we see a lot of moms who gain more weight than would perhaps be optimal. And again, I want to put that into context for you, so please listen to the entire episode. Research does show that it's important to look at weight gain because greater weight gain can be a marker for other problems like metabolic regulation for your baby throughout his or her life. Um, Now, conversely, we also know that too little weight gain can lead to metabolic regulation issues for your baby. So this one is one of those Goldilocks and the three bears type things where you don't want it to be too little and you don't want it to be too much. You want it to be just right. And I will give you guys numbers later in the episode and we'll talk a little bit about what just right is because that's individual because each one of us is individual. We're not all carbon copies of one another, but we do know that you don't want to get You don't want to gain too much and you don't want to gain too little because both of those signal to baby metabolic changes that persist throughout much of your baby's lifetime. Um, And also, they, they have an impact on you as well. So we know that maternal weight gain impacts your body weight later and holding on to a few pounds after the baby. I'm Again, I want to be really careful as I talk about this because I know this is a sensitive issue and I also don't believe that women should be going on crash diets during breastfeeding. Part of the reason why you gain weight during pregnancy is to help sustain you through breastfeeding, which is actually a higher calorie endeavor than growing the baby while the baby is in your womb. Breastfeeding the baby is a higher calorie endeavor and also the immediate postpartum is kind of like early pregnancy. It's a time that is a lot of changes and shifts are going on, and especially for you, in addition to physical changes as you become not pregnant anymore, um, there's a lot of emotional and mental stuff. And so I don't believe that any woman should be trying to crash diet or lose the weight like quote unquote right away after her baby has come. But if the weight's hanging on, because higher weight gain in pregnancy can be predictive of extra pounds even a decade or more later. And if the weight hangs on, then you get to the same place that many people, even people who haven't had babies, are in as they reach middle age or older, which is where there's extra weight and insulin sensitivity and all that sort of thing. So higher weight gain in pregnancy can be a marker for the possibility of higher weight later in life. And then also the things that we know are are associated with that extra weight gain later in life. So basically... Gaining extra weight in pregnancy is predictive of the possibility of metabolic issues for baby and also metabolic issues for you down the road. So it's worthwhile to understand pregnancy weight gain and understand how to optimize that and optimize your eating. And again, please listen to the whole episode because I might shift your paradigm some as we continue talking. So let's talk first about what's happening with our diet. Like why do we have moms gaining more even if we don't really have a concurrent rise in nutrition status. And and on on the one hand, like baseline nutrition, we do. Like moms are better nourished today than they were, say, during the Industrial Revolution or in war-torn or poverty-stricken areas. Moms are definitely better nourished than that. But moms aren't necessarily optimally nourished, and we'll go into that even more. And so how is it that when we have women who still aren't reaching optimal nourishment, they're gaining more weight? And The reality of that is that we're eating way more carbs. There's a lot of researchers out there who are looking into this and people who are particularly uh, interested in pregnancy nutrition like Lily Nichols, and I'll link to her materials in the show notes. I've got a couple of podcast interviews with her 
that I'll link to as well as her books are great. You know, Lily's looked at this from a pregnancy perspective. And then also Dr. Ted Naiman, I'll link to some of his resources below as well. He's got a book called The PE Diet, which is not a pregnancy diet book. So please don't buy this if you're pregnant or if you're in the early months of nursing. But his book could be a good resource, like, you know, once your baby hits a year old or something. I think it's a a great book, probably the best book on nutrition and exercise for non-pregnant women or men that I've read. So... Anyways, Dr. Naiman talks about how our overall protein consumption has trended way down from what it was historically for our hunter-gatherer ancestors. And our eating of carbohydrates has trended way up. And this is something that Lily Nichols points out as well. Like we're getting like 50% of our daily calories from carbohydrate. That's extremely common today. And that correlates directly with the increase in weight gain in pregnancy. And so we're getting less protein, also getting less healthy fat, which is something I talked about in the last couple weeks and I'll come back to as well. So we're getting less healthy fat and we're getting way less protein than we used to. So Dr. Naiman talks about how when we were hunter-gatherers, we didn't have food as easily as we do now. We had to go out and find it, but the protein ratio of our diet was much higher. So some 30% of calories in the hunter-gatherer's diet came from protein. And today, it's it's continually trending downward to the point where in a, kind of the standard American diet, we're looking at 12% of protein coming, you know, 12% of calories coming from protein. And for older Americans, which this, that's not the demographic I'm talking about, but for older Americans, it's even less. So our, you know, our, our elderly citizens, grandpas, grandmas, older friends, they're getting even less protein when they probably need more. And as you heard me talk about in the last couple podcast episodes, and I'll definitely link to those if you missed those, because you should go back and listen to them. They're going to be really helpful. Um, we really need protein when we're pregnant. Like you need a lot of protein when you're pregnant. And if 50% of calories are coming from carbohydrate, that is a recipe for less than optimal nutrition. And it's also a recipe for weight gain. Dr. Naiman also talks about one of the, the issues with carbohydrate and protein is that we... Our bodies want to eat until they get adequate protein. And so we'll continue, our body will continue to send hunger cues until adequate protein is reached. So you may find yourself hungry if all you've eaten is empty carbs or if all you're eating is those, those fatty, carby snacks like a donut or a cupcake or something that it gives both of those in that package. It's very pleasing to our palate as human beings, because we're also geared towards gaining energy because in the hunter-gatherer past, that wasn't as easy. So those things activate pleasure centers in our body. But if you're not getting enough protein, your body tells you to keep eating and eating and eating, which is why you can go through all these potato chips and you don't get satisfied. Whereas if you were, you know, if you were to try and eat the same poundage and like potato as you were potato chips, you get fuller a lot faster. And if you were to eat a good sized portion of protein and then a baked potato on the side, you could feel stuffed. Whereas you might keep eating potato chips all afternoon just to pick on potato foods. So what we see is that women are eating a lot more carbohydrate 
because that's what the trend is. Because because high carb foods are inexpensive to mass produce and easy to store, and high carb fatty foods activate pleasure centers so they sell well. So when we're looking at marketing and food storage and mass distribution and those sorts of things, those foods are what add up. They're what's easy. They're also often what's inexpensive. And so they're what women get. And then if you think about the fact that women are pregnant women are hungry, their bodies realize that they need more protein. So you're going to keep eating those foods because your body is saying, hey, you're hungry. And what it's really saying is, hey, you're hungry for protein. But you may not necessarily interpret that. And so we end up just eating a lot more than we need to from carbs, which are good to a point, but you probably don't need so many. So I hope that helps you understand where where we can be getting extra weight gain in pregnancy from and why the discussion doesn't necessarily need to even be how do we control weight gain or counting calories or anything like that. The discussion needs to shift in a different direction, which we'll come back to in a minute. But... I want to talk right now about what what does cause weight gain in pregnancy if we're looking at a physiologically normal pregnancy. And you may have seen some of those charts that break this down. And I those are a helpful guideline. Just remember that there's variation. You know, I think they almost always use like a seven or a seven and a half pound baby. And a, a healthy baby whose mom is eating, say, the brewer diet is, you know, you're probably going to have an eight pound baby. And you're probably going to have a juicier, uh, more robust placenta, so to speak. So, but baby's size, of course, accounts for some of that. So some of your pounds is baby pounds. And that's good. You don't want an underweight baby. And then some of it is the placenta. You want a good, robust, well-nourished placenta. So we're talking about a placenta that weighs in the pounds, not in the ounces. Uh, And then breast tissue is another pretty significant addition of weight in pregnancy because the breasts just change and develop in order to prepare for breastfeeding. So even though there's not a lot of milk production going on yet, the breasts, uh, there's additional tissue. There's a lot more networking in the tissue, so to speak, of milk ducts. Actually, with each pregnancy that you have, that system of milk ducts gets more complex. So even if you've had a baby before, and you probably noticed if you had a baby before, that your breasts get a lot fuller throughout pregnancy and especially in the early postpartum, and then they return after you're done having your baby. So with each new baby, there's that development happens again, and there's also some development that happens new with each baby, even if it doesn't add like a massive amount more. Like I've had eight babies, and I'm still at this point, my youngest is five, and I'm still pretty small chested because, you know, I might feel like I've got a lot going on in the early days postpartum, but it does, it does return back to pre-pregnancy size. But when you're pregnant and nursing, there is just more going on with breast tissue and that sort of thing. So that adds weight. Extra fluids also adds up to a lot in your weight gain. Remember in the last couple episodes, I talked about how your blood supply is going to expand by 60%. That's a lot of extra blood. That's like half of your blood again. Uh, and then there's a little bit a little bit of water retention is normal during pregnancy. So you've got the extra fluids going on. Then your organs and systems like that change. The uterus changes. So that extra fluid volume adds pounds on to your pregnancy weight gain. Uh, and then there's also some fat accumulation that happens especially in pregnancy. And it's it's kind of targeted fat accumulation. So you may notice when you're pregnant that over, like right over your tailbone 
in the small of your lower back, there is a fat pad there that accumulates. And then women also tend to put on weight in the thigh area. Those areas are specific fat stores that happen during pregnancy from a biological, physiological perspective. And those are the stores that get pulled on in late pregnancy and while breastfeeding. So those stores are supposed to be there. They're supposed to happen in your pregnancy. And you may notice that you lean out in other areas during your pregnancy, especially if you're utilizing a lot of the energy that you're bringing in. Um, But sometimes women just, you know, you notice extra padding everywhere. But especially in those areas that I mentioned, you're going to notice extra padding because that's kind of, you know, we've got like male pattern baldness. Well, that's pregnancy pattern weight gain. And it's there for a reason. In the first trimester of pregnancy, your body is in an anabolic state where it is trying to conserve energy and put on padding, which is why actually you can gain weight in the first trimester, even when you think, well, my baby is microscopic. Why am I gaining weight? That's why. And then in the second and third trimester, your body is shunting all of that energy to baby. And so some of those stores are actually meant to be used during pregnancy because even when you're eating well, your body's still doing a lot and your baby's still growing. And then, of course, during breastfeeding, in the early days of breastfeeding, your body wants to make sure that it's got plenty to pull on. So again, you're, you know, it, it's normal for your body to store energy even in the first trimester. And all of these changes are happening and those can add up to weight gain during your pregnancy. So in addition to the quote-unquote excess weight gain, which we're going to talk more about, there are a You know, there's another situation where you would worry about weight gain because weight gain happens throughout pregnancy. It's normal. But if you notice sudden rapid weight gain accompanied by other symptoms like high blood pressure, a lot of swelling, those would be signs of preeclampsia, which is what we talked about preventing last week. And that would be a time when you would want to talk with your care provider. It can be really normal to have periods in pregnancy where you don't seem to gain very much and then some periods where you seem to gain more, particularly at the end of pregnancy. Like my midwife with my first kid told me that the rule of thumb is a a pound of weight gain per week in the end of pregnancy. And it might be more here and there because that's the time when baby's really padding up. But if it's really sudden and it's accompanied by other symptoms like high blood pressure, like swelling, any sort of vision disturbances or anything like that, those would be warning signs about a potential complication. And so that would be something you would want to check in with your care provider on as soon as possible. Um, and then, as I mentioned, too little weight gain can be problematic. You don't want to gain too little because that can show that, okay, what's going on with baby? What's going on with my body? And then overall, just a really high amount of weight gain could lead one to wonder, okay, are there blood sugar issues going on that we need to check into? What's going on here? So that that would be another situation to look at is if you just feel like your weight gain overall is really high. Now, the next question that moms usually ask or the question that might be coming to your mind is, how much weight should I gain, Kristen? And the reality is, is that As I've discovered again in my own life, figuring out your ideal weight, even when you're not pregnant, isn't really easy to do. Like, I've been trying to figure out what's an ideal weight for me, for Kristen, because I'm not pregnant. I don't anticipate being pregnant. And I'm five years out from my youngest baby's birth. He's been weaned for a couple years. You know, we're looking at 
what is my ideal weight? What should it be? And I found out that answer is a moving target. It can be really difficult to figure it out. And we know, (laughs) excuse me, that measures like BMI are not, they're not ideal, but they're probably the best thing that we have. So that could be something to look at. Now, you're going to look at your BMI for when you're not pregnant. And I will link to a BMI calculator in the show notes if you don't have one handy. But that's what you would look at is, okay, what is my height and what is my weight when I'm not pregnant? Like, what is your pre-pregnancy weight or the first weight that you got at the midwife or doctor's office if you didn't know what you weighed before then? Plug those in. And see where that is on the BMI chart. And then also you can look at a BMI chart for your height and say, okay, what, you know, what might be an ideal weight range for me? Because they give a weight range. They tell you what is the healthy weight. They give a range. Um, And if you're shorter on the shorter side, then you could err towards lower on the BMI weight range. And if you're taller, you would err towards the taller side. That's Lily Nichols' recommendation, and it makes sense because if you're smaller or more petite, you're going to want less weight on your frame, and if you're bigger, then you're just going to be able to have more weight on your frame overall. Um, And remember that BMI isn't perfect. It can be really skewed. Like if you are a CrossFitter or a powerlifter or, you know, you're a female athlete and you're just really muscular, muscle weighs more than fat. It's denser, and that could really skew results, so keep that in mind with your situation, but you know, it is what it is. I know that Dr. Naaman says that if you're an average size woman, which in the United States averages five foot four, around 120 pounds would be a good weight. And you might give or take five pounds for each inch that you're above that kind of average of five foot four. So those are ways that you can look at it. And that is what you would look at is what was my BMI pre-pregnancy? And then the Institute of Medicine has released weight gain guidelines that I don't know that I feel super great about, but I think that they're the best and most realistic that we have. And so they say, and this is where I told you I would tell you numbers. So if when you look at your BMI, again, utilizing your pre-pregnancy weight, if you were underweight on the BMI chart, then your your target would be to gain 28 to 40 pounds. If you were at normal weight on the BMI chart, and remember this is a variable range that you're looking at, so if you're in that range, then you're going to look to gain 25 to 35 pounds. And then if you were in the overweight range, it would be 15 to 25 pounds. And if you're in the obese range, it would be 11 to 20 pounds. And I just want to remind you again that pregnancy weight gain isn't linear. It may and likely will happen in fits and starts. So please don't panic if you don't gain anything between a couple of appointments. And then at a couple of appointments, it looks like the scale jumped. Because some of that can be normal. It's not linear. It's not going to be a smooth curve upward. What you're looking at is that overall trend. Now, what if you gain, like, what if you're gaining nothing? So if you were an underweight woman or even a normal-sized woman and you were gaining nothing, that would be something that would feel really worrisome. But if you have extra weight, and especially if your BMI puts you in the obese category and you know there's not other factors like muscle going on, if you gain nothing because you've changed your dietary habits, that could possibly be normal 
because your body may be pulling energy from fat stores, but you wouldn't ever want to restrict calories or quote-unquote diet during pregnancy. You could really focus on protein, um, really focus on non-starchy veggies, and I'll talk more about these practical tips in a minute, um, and see a weight gain that isn't very much, or if you had a lot of extra weight, even close to nothing. But we would know that baby was still growing well, be monitoring baby. But I really don't believe that a pregnant woman who is at a normal BMI, or certainly not an underweight BMI, would ever, or even an overweight, you know, that range is 15 to 25 pounds. And even for an obese woman, we're looking at an 11 pound minimum. So it's definitely something to be looking at and thinking, I should expect to and want to gain weight during my pregnancy. And also, please, I don't want you to stare at the scale and worry or be panicked or think less of yourself. I want you to just focus on what you eat. So that, I mean, this is a good time to go into that. And I do want to mention as we move into some practical tips and this paradigm shift that I want to help you to have, that if you feel like you need practical help, okay, how do I figure out what to eat? Remember that I do have my pregnancy diet class. It is a focused class that digs into this. We dive really deep and talk about the whys of pregnancy diet, which I've given you, I guess pun intended, a taste of over the past couple of weeks as we talked about how to prevent complications through diet or how to even reverse complications through diet. And I I talk about all of that technical aspect of it. But we also get really nitty-gritty, really practical on what to eat because that's excuse me, that's information that you need to have. And you can get that, go to birthbabylife.com slash diet and get that class. So let's do a little bit of myth busting. So there's this pregnancy myth that we need to eat for two. And then there's this pregnancy myth that we don't need to eat for two. I actually hate, 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 hate the, the government posters that are up, like in WIC offices and stuff that say, don't eat for two. Because I feel like the message is purely focused on trying to prevent excess weight gain during pregnancy, which, as we've talked about in this episode, is a goal that we should have because extra weight gain in pregnancy can cause problems. And it is a goal that we should have because the extra weight gain is a side effect of suboptimal nutrition for moms and babies. But those posters and things are. I want to say they are almost reduced to to like fat shaming and weight gain shaming because they make it all about the weight gain. And they try and do a little bit of lip service to proper nutrition, but their nutrition guidelines are just off base. I mean, I it's it's funny because in the in the Facebook group, my Facebook group, which I can link to in the show notes, you know, I try and encourage the women to present information in an informative way and in a kind way. And when you have information that you feel like another mom might not have, then present that to her with a spirit of kind of a collegiate spirit of education and try not to be too blunt or offensive. And so I've been thinking about, you know, cause I can be blunt and offensive. So I, I say that realizing that, Oh, I need to, to, to watch that myself. But what I want to emphasize here is that standard pregnancy diet advice is stupid. So there you go. It's blunt. Um, And I feel like it shortchanges moms and babies for real. 
because it leaves us with moms and babies who aren't well nourished and who are much more likely to struggle with pregnancy complications. So when we see those posters that are basically just fat shaming and then they give some nutrition advice that's really crappy nutrition advice and may actually end up resulting in the weight gain that they're trying to prevent, as well as complications like preeclampsia and fetal growth restriction and that sort of thing. You know, it's just, it makes me cringe. So I don't like the don't eat for two message that we have out there. But at the same time, there's validity. Like you don't need to eat double the amount of food or anything, but you do need to get enough calories in for pregnancy, which for many pregnant women might be more calories than you're used to getting. Like if you're not pregnant and you're sustaining yourself on a 1,200 or 1,500 calorie a day diet, that's just not enough. And the frustrating thing about that is that women often are restricting themselves to that kind of diet because they're trying to lose weight. And I've got to say, I'm definitely going to link to Dr. Naaman's information in the show notes because when I started following his nutrition advice, the weight literally fell off. And it, you know, it. I felt full. I felt satisfied. And it really was just kind of changing around my macronutrient ratio and watching everything fall away. And he also recommends an inter- intermittent fasting window, which I do not think that pregnant women should use. But that's the thing is, you know, it was easy for me and also sustainable. I never felt hungry. You know, I never felt deprived. I sometimes still felt when I was stressed that I wanted chocolate, but I recognize, you know, this is a stress thing. So, but the reason that I'm sharing that is because so many of us are starving ourselves on lower calorie diets where we don't feel satisfied because we're trying to keep the weight off. And then you get pregnant and you're used to this low calorie diet and it's just not enough. And so I feel like the reason why I've been doing these podcast episodes and why I have my pregnancy diet class is because this is really a complex issue that brings in way more than just pregnant physiology because there's so much going on. Every woman comes into pregnancy not as a blank page. Like, you don't come into pregnancy as a blank page. And this we talked about this on the stress episode and that sort of stuff. You've got all of your own deal going on in life. You've got your own stuff going on with food and that kind of thing and how much you eat and your feelings about that and your body image. And all of that comes into play. It's all complex. And it all needs to be honored, which is why I believe in working with pregnant mamas and not having this kind of prenatal care that herds you through and gives you this barely five to 10 minute appointment and some scolding about what the scale says. And then, you know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. You're on your way. It's just ridiculous. Pregnancy is a huge thing. And I, I can sense myself going off on a tangent, so I'll rein myself in. But pregnancy is such a profound time and it impacts you in so many ways. And there are so many factors to consider. So this is not a simplistic thing. So I think we need to honor the fact that you need to eat a certain calorie level, but you want to do it smart. And it may be, it may be that you need to get more calories than you were getting pre-pregnancy, which is where I was going with that. But you don't necessarily need to be eating for two. And I think the connotation that they're trying to avoid with that is, you know, you don't want to be quote unquote pigging out on food all the time. You want to be aware and intentional about the meals that you pick. And I also want you to be intuitive. Another thing that Dr. Naaman encourages is working towards intuitive eating. And I hope that throughout your pregnancy, you feel like your intuition grows. And we could do a whole podcast episode on that. And also with eating as well. So eating for two is is both true and false because you are eating to grow another human being. 
And you want to be really intentional about that. But that doesn't mean just doubling up the portion sizes and eating the way that you may have been eating before, though it could if you're eating in an intentional way before. I mean, it could mean that you're just increasing the amount of that that you're eating. You probably won't be doubling anything. But you do need to think about, okay, how do I eat intentionally? Because I am growing a new life and I am preparing my body to get through the rest of this pregnancy, to have a smooth, safe, safe, healthy birth, and to heal postpartum and to nurse a baby and to be a mom to this new little person as well as maybe other little people who are running around. And so you need to be intentional about that. So the big thing that we want to think about is nutrient density. In addition to extra weight gain being a factor that's predictive of struggles for baby, another factor that's predictive is poor quality diet. That's actually a huge factor. And and this, again, seems paradoxical, but if a woman is eating a lot, but the quality of her diet is poor, she can end up with a big chubby baby too. Because... We're looking at insulin sensitivity, we're looking at excess calories from carbohydrate and all that sort of thing, and that leads to a chunky baby. So a mom who is not optimally nourished or who is poorly nourished can end up having a large baby too. So my recommendation for you is really to focus on protein. Understand protein and satiety. And I talked about this a few minutes ago already. Your body wants protein. Your body knows that it needs protein. And you may have heard, because this is one that people have talked about for years, and I don't think that it's really understood, or you may have heard about it even in natural birthing or natural pregnancy circles, is when you feel like you're craving sweets, your body is actually craving protein. And I would argue that what's going on there is that your body is actually hungry, and your body knows that it's hungry for protein. So what you find is that when you give your body enough protein, you feel satisfied. And that is a cue to your body, okay, stop eating. So when you're thinking about what do I need to do to make sure that I'm getting what my baby needs, make protein the first thing that you put on your plate. And remember, you want to shoot for that 100 gram minimum. And I do believe in pregnancy, you you probably want to tend a little bit more towards slightly smaller but more frequent meals. So you probably want to have a a moderate breakfast and then a small snack and then a moderate lunch and then a small snack and then supper, uh, which doesn't have to be a huge meal. And then you may need a bedtime snack. And some pregnant women who are may have started out underweight or are really burning through the calories may wake up in the night hungry. And that would be a great time to have a protein snack. Um, Or if you tend to wake up in the morning really nauseated, sometimes having a snack in the night when you get up to go pee can be helpful. And yogurt, hard-boiled eggs, orange slices, for some reason citrus in the middle of the night seems to help, particularly with morning sickness. There's a bonus tip for you on this episode. Um, and that, Or that might not help you at all, but these are just things to consider. So if you have protein as the cornerstone of each of those meals and those snacks, you're going to be in a pretty good place. And you can choose leaner proteins overall. Like there's a difference between spoonfuls of peanut butter and lean steak or lean chicken or even leaner ground beef or beef that you've rinsed because uh, you're getting a lot more fat and stuff along with, say, the peanut butter. I love peanut butter, which is why I picked that, because it's like my thing. I, I could eat a lot of peanut butter. Um, 
But, you know, so if you are worried overall, okay, I want to make sure that I'm not getting too much overall, then choose those proteins that give you a lot of protein without a lot of extra. So you can go for the leaner meats and things. And then you can layer in the healthy fats. Because remember, like we talked about in the past couple of weeks, healthy fats are essential. And like I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, pregnant women are getting a lot more carbs, but they're actually getting less protein and less healthy fat Probably because protein has gotten kind of a bad rap, you know, because meats and stuff have gotten kind of a bad rap. Maybe because of their fat, but fat has certainly gotten a bad rap, so people are phobic about it. But your baby really needs healthy fats. So you could go for leaner meats or, you know, avoid having too much nuts and stuff that's intrinsically got a lot of protein but also a lot of fat. And then you can intentionally add some of those good fats. And like avocado, really and truly full-fat dairy is a good, high-quality fat. So that would be one to consider. Um, But avocado, coconut oil, avocado oil, uh, salmon, fish oils are really good for you. Those kinds of fats would be good to have. So have those proteins, have those healthy fats. uh, And then you can have a moderate level of carbs. Lily Nichols recommends 90 to 100 grams of carbs a day, which is dramatically lower than the standard American diet, but it's also dramatically higher than, say, a ketogenic diet, which would be 20 grams of carbs or less. And I've played around with some ketogenic diet stuff. And when I think about the fact, like, Dr. Naiman's recommendations for carbohydrate levels and protein levels are, are pretty in line with what we know is good for pregnancy, actually. And so, you know, he also recommends, like, somewhere in that carbohydrate level could be a healthy level for non-pregnant people. And when I think about that coming off of looking at how much carbs do you have on a ketogenic diet, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so much carbohydrate. Think about what I can eat. Um, But for most people, that's a dramatically, dramatically, dramatically lower amount of carbohydrate than they're getting every day. So depending on where you are in this scale and what you eat, it may seem like, oh, that's a really generous carbohydrate allowance, which is what I feel like. Or, oh my gosh, that's hardly anything. How am I going to feel full? But remember, when you're prioritizing that protein, you're going to feel full. And you can choose carbohydrates that are smart. Like, for example, potato chips, probably not the best. Potatoes, though, are actually pretty good for you. They have a lot of trace minerals, a lot of potassium. Dr. Brewer recommended one baked potato a week for pregnant women. Um, So those, you know, a potato could be a good choice or winter squashes would be a good choice. And then fill the rest of your plate with veggies. Uh, Like if I've found that eating, say, a chicken breast with, and I I season it and it's yummy, and then I serve myself like half of my plate with broccoli, and I actually make homemade hollandaise sauce and put a little bit of that on there because I'm not into deprivation, I will feel full after I eat, you know, several slices of chicken breast, like three ounces of chicken breast and broccoli with hollandaise. I will feel full and satisfied and stay that way for a long time. And when I start getting hungry again, it's not jittery hunger that's like low blood sugar. If you feel jittery at any point when you're hungry, that's blood sugar crashes. And that's something to pay attention to because that often comes from lots of carbs that spike blood sugar and then insulin works to bring it down. And then all of a sudden you're left jittery. So these are things to think about when you're thinking about what to fill your plate with. But remember, I think we mentioned this in a previous episode, but protein gives you the same amount of calories per gram of protein as you get for carbs. So proteins are, protein is four calories per gram. 
That's the same as carbohydrate. So if you're swapping those out, then you're still getting calories you need because remember, I want you to get enough calories, but you're not getting the carbs. And the real reason that carbs are a culprit, in addition to what Dr. Naaman talks about with the carbs coming along with fats often, which just gives you, you know, this double dose of energy that your body might not need that much energy. But it also causes blood sugar swings and insulin sensitivity, which causes fat storage. And that's where a lot of those numbers are driven up. Our body just doesn't need that much carbohydrate. Some, and I do believe during pregnancy, we want some carbohydrate, but we just don't need as much. So avoid those carb-fat combos. That's our recipe for weight gain. I'm not saying you can't have that ever, but, you know, don't do it all the time. Enjoy it as a treat here and there. And also, higher carbohydrate dairy, like milk, fluid milk is higher in carbohydrate. You may want to go with something like Greek yogurt, which gives you more protein, bang for your buck, and it's also lower in carb and still gives you the dairy exchanges that you would need, say, on the Brewer Diet, which I talk about all this in the Pregnancy Diet class. You can go to birthbabylife.com diet to get that class. But that gives you lower carbohydrate and also hard cheeses or cheeses are lower in carbohydrate as well. So that can give you that, that good fat. The, an advantage of yogurt over cheese is that it's higher in potassium, which milk is pretty high in potassium and calcium. All dairy is high in calcium, but you lose some of the potassium in the conversion to cheese. And actually regular yogurt is higher in potassium than Greek yogurt. So that might be something to think about as well. But I don't want to get you too confused. I'm just throwing things. I'm, all of this makes a lot of sense to me because I, you know, eat, breathe, and sleep this every day, literally. Um, if you've got any questions that are coming up or you're like, Kristen, I need you to hold my hand through this, shoot me an email, Kristen at naturalbirthandbabycare.com. I do have some coaching slots open right now, um, and we could jump on a call and talk about that. Or again, like I said, the pregnancy diet class gets really practical. But I hope that these are, you know, tips and information and paradigm shifts that are really helpful to you. And again, I just want to emphasize those healthy fats are essential for pregnancy. And you want to look at the overall nutrient density of your diet, work on reducing carbs, increase protein, get plenty of healthy veggies in to round things out. You can have some fruits too, for sure, but look at that protein and, and then get some of those healthy carbs in as well. But really emphasize the protein, emphasize the good veggies, emphasize having some healthy fat every day for sure. And like build your brewer diet, so to speak, around those things. So we know that pregnancy weight gain is something that we need to be aware of. It's important. It can be a marker for future metabolic health for baby and for mom. And we also understand where the weight gain comes from. We understand that there's pregnancy pattern weight gain. We want to gain some weight. We taught some about BMI and what that means, what it doesn't mean, what are some of the limitations, but it can be a good thing to look at to get an idea. And we talked about weight gain ranges as well that are really important. And, and, and then I brought it back to this paradigm shift that I want you to, to keep in mind that when we talk about weight gain, it's not so much that we're going to talk about weight gain. And so we want to talk about optimizing your nutrition during pregnancy. And when you do that and when you focus nutritionally on the right things, not only are you getting everything that your baby needs micro and macronutrient-wise, as well as what your own body needs micro and macronutrient-wise, you're going to do it in a strategic way to use, I guess, a weird word for pregnancy, but you're doing it strategically in a way that doesn't add extra pounds, but it does give you and baby optimal nutrition and therefore the weight gain that you're going to have because you need some of it because you got a baby and a placenta and fluids and a changing body and some pregnancy weight gain patterns that are important for later pregnancy and breastfeeding, as well as a healthy, well-nourished uterus that's going to have a beautiful 
amazing sacred birth experience. You know, you want some of that, um, but it's going to be in a strategic way so that you get what you need and not necessarily too much. And what you need is a little bit, you need some stores. So you're going to get what you need and that's going to include those extra stores. And then when you're nursing your baby, you're going to see some of it come off. And then as baby gets older and starts eating solids and that sort of thing, you'll be able to see the rest come off. But you'll know that during pregnancy, you're nursing and nur- or you're, excuse me, you're nourishing your baby in an optimal way. So again, if you want that practical help, like, okay, Kristen, I understand some of the technical stuff about it. I understand some of the tips and pointers, but show me how to put it into a plan. Definitely check out the pregnancy diet class. That's at birthbabylife.com slash diet. Or if you need some really focused help, you need me to help you with meal plans or help you figure out recipes and that sort of thing. Or if you know that you've got a complication going on or you had a tough pregnancy before, definitely reach out to me, Kristen at naturalbirthandbabycare.com. And we can jump on the phone and talk about your situation. Otherwise, next week, we're going to talk about, we're going to pivot a little bit. We've talked about pregnancy a lot lately. So we're going to talk a little bit more about mommy management and that sort of thing. We're going to talk about why you need to ditch the housework, what that means, and how it impacts you. Have a blessed week this week, and I will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.